We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And welcome to another edition of Nice Tradecast on the Rotoviz Radio Network, brought to you by our friends over at Blue Wire and sponsored by the one, the only Underdog Fantasy, your home for best ball and more. You got your your overs, your unders, your your pushes, all those fun things over at Underdog Fantasy. You can get involved with football, basketball, all those sports, and you'll hear about that more later in the show. Tonight, I am joined by the one, the only Dan Senyo. How's it going, my Dan? It is going. I, I was in charge of the script. I, I was early to the scene. Uh, I spent about 30, 37 minutes writing this script, so we should all be very impressed. Uh, it's a very novel idea. No one has ever done a show on it before, and no one has ever used stats in the way we are about to use them. That sounds like a plan. So uh, the, the script... Yeah. By the way, I'm I'm like Ron Burgundy. Um, if, if, there, if there's a script in front of me, I'm going to read it. Okay. Trade bait. Many ways to interpret, which is correct. Um, all right. So t- today we're talking about trade bait, uh, and this is actually a good topic um, for many reasons. But it actually came up recently in one of our leagues. So Dan, you and I are in a 100 person league called Kaleidoscope, um, and I, I I don't know about your experience, but in my experience, the larger the league, the more likely there is to be what some might interpret as a bad trade or as an uneven trade, because obviously every, everybody values players differently. But also, usually there's differences in experience and knowledge base between the most knowledgeable or best you know fantasy player from one to one hundred, and maybe the least experienced, the one who, who needs the most you know touch up. Not saying that the person in this uh, scenario was, but there, there can be a variance in, in the skills when you have 100 different fantasy managers. And so what happened was, um, so Kyler Murray uh, in a tri-flex league, two, uh, two, two quarterback and one, or I think it's one super flex, one, one quarterback and two super flexes, a.k.a. a three-quarterback league. In a three-quarterback league, Kyler Murray was traded for, I believe it was Javante Williams and a first and a third, was that it? Yep. Yeah. So 
Dan and I, we're, we're, we're friendly, but we're, we can also throw in some snide. <laughs> we, we can throw in some snide in, in, group, in group chats. And uh, in this 100-person league, there are many copies of each player or, or lots of different players. And I said, if anybody is selling their Kyler Murray for that price, we will gladly you know, purchase for that price. And I kind of felt bad because the guy then DM'd me and said that, you know, like he just couldn't get anything else and he, he didn't he didn't really, you know, know what else to do. And that and this is what brings up the this is what brings it back to the topic. He said that he had been endlessly putting players on trade bait and getting no responses. Um and so my, my initial take on the trade bait is you cannot use trade bait in order to gain uh or increase action in a fantasy football league. You can create your own trade bait by making offers. If I offer everybody in the league Kyler Murray, that is telling the entire league I'm trading Kyler Murray, not putting Kyler Murray on the trade bait. What are your thoughts on, on that to start off this topic? Well, I, I think you're I, I think you're mostly right with kind of creating your own interest by sending offers, uh, letting letting other owners know that you're trying to move somebody. Uh, I've I've done that. In, in many places, especially in leagues where I don't know the other owners and, and like this hundred person league, we probably only know 12 to 15 of them and very, very loosely. No, no is a, it's a very loose term. Uh, it's, it's a weird one. We're like in, in a league where Nathan and I and, and a bunch of our buddies, it's a very different situation. We can post players on the trade block and actually expect to draw some interest from it. So I, I do think it, it depends on the makeup of the league. I don't think it's it's a straight line across the board. Uh, obviously, every league is a little bit different. But I, I think once you understand the dynamic of your league, where you know, you know what people are attracted to, what they're looking for, if they use their trade bait. If you're the only one in your league ever posting your trade bait, you're probably missing out on something. There's probably something going on in a group chat or in DMs or just sending out trades, you know, pretty plainly. So, Yeah, or it's just it's an, act, an active league other than, like, the most action is happening literally on the transaction wire and nowhere else via trade bait or group chat or Twitter DM, whatever it might be. Like, obviously... That's the, you know, that's not the ideal way to have a league. You want to have some form of communication outside of, you know, the league. But if you have to just be aware of, like, you know, what's going to be more successful, posting Kyler Murray on the league site trade bait, posting it has, hey, guys, I'm looking to move Kyler Murray. And also you have to, like, in in both your trade bait on the site or trade bait via, like, communication on, on the group chat, you do have to kind of, show your urgency a little bit like if someone just like says kyler murray available in the group chat i say such and such available like once a week in a group chat and but if i say hey i'm really looking to move kyler murray before the rookie draft that is when you might create some urgency where it's like someone there's a fear of missing out where it's like oh he's gonna move him i better you know make an offer and obviously you can if you overdo it where you're like looking to trade kyler murray before april 4th and then like april 4th comes and goes and you don't trade him like you know your word does you know decrease in value there it's it's also uh, you kind of have to pick and choose your words somewhat carefully when you're doing those things because if if you go to your whole league and you say hey i'm looking to move this guy really quickly well, that probably means that you're willing to take less rather than you're you're looking to capitalize on what a player is worth. If I go to uh, uh, you know my leagues and say, hey, I'm looking to move Josh Allen as quickly as possible, 
I'm going to get a lot of really bad offers. Uh, but if I go and say, hey, looking to move Josh Allen, this is what I'm looking for. Uh, I'll be sending out offers as well, but feel free to send some my way. I, I think if you can be as active as the other owners are towards you when you're looking to move somebody, I think that's going to benefit you the most. And a lot of people like to just say someone's available and sit back and wait and hope, and hope that somebody sends a, an overpriced offer for whatever they're offering. That, you know, that, that happens, but that's not a good way to go about a using trade bait or B just making trades in general, sitting back and waiting, uh, you know, unless you absolutely are in love with your team and you have your favorite player at every position and your roster is stacked, you know, that, that's not really a great way to run a dynasty team. Now, what about, so I, I place a player on trade bait. I, I, I place Tom Brady on, on trade bait. Cause I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm a rebuilding team. I don't need Tom Brady in my roster anymore. It, is there a different way where you send out initial offers than if it's literally just, you know, a run of the mill, like I'm, this isn't like trade bait. I'm just trying to trade this player. Like, is there a different initial offer that you send? Basically is, is every initial offer the same or is an initial offer with quote unquote trade bait a little bit different? I'm looking for, so to use your example, uh, Tom Brady, I'm looking right away at maybe the top two to five teams uh, especially if I'm rebuilding, I, I'm, I'm looking for the guys that want points. Now they're probably going to be more apt to deal a pick because they know it's going to be late. If you're, if you're trying to sell someone like Tom Brady to a bad team, a, they probably don't want him, but B you're never going to get one of their picks because they're anticipating those picks being a, a top two to five pick rather than a bottom two to five pick. So I, I think if you can look for, you know, the contenders are, are at the very least the playoff teams in your league and, and have the ability to kind of tell which teams are built to win, which teams are kind of stuck in the middle and which teams are rebuilding. You're going to have the most success making offers because you should always try and be trying to place players into a position where they're going to fit the team the best. Now, I, I know that's a little bit unrealistic to always be able to find, you know, like a match made in heaven. But if you can trade a running back to a running back needy team who has a bunch of wide receivers and you're wide receiver needy, like th that's obviously going to almost always work out. Uh, obviously values and such are, are going to differ from player to player and league to league, but uh, you really have to kind of focus in on who can use that player you're trying to move the most outside of someone liking him more than you. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the difference between those two scenarios would be when you're posting trade bait on the league site or via league chat, you're advertising to in a traditional 12 team league, you're advertising to 11, 11 different managers, but in all honesty, you know, depending on the asset, you're probably only going to have like four to six at a, a max, depending on the asset eyes that are actually interested in it. And you're more likely to get those eyes focused in on your specific asset. If you're starting it with an offer yourself. And so that that's why in general, like, the, the biggest thing is you have to have some sort of sense of urgency in terms of making the offers yourself, because if you're sitting back and waiting for an offer and you take whatever offer that eventually comes like, oh, nothing else was offered to me, you're often going to end up losing value because rarely do people send an offer and say, oh, I'm I'm making a very fair trade or I'm I'm making myself better and the other team better. Like For the most part, people are looking at making themselves better. Yeah, there's there's a whole lot of uh, hopeful swindling going on and very little actual trading. Uh, I, I will say when you are, when you are setting these, the, the trade baits and you are letting people know it, it's, you're not going to be as successful if your trade bait is 
Jarvis Landry, Melvin Gordon, and Matt Ryan. Now, that's sometimes you're just looking to move some players. Hey, I'll take a third for Matt Ryan or, you know, a second for the combination of Jarvis Landry and Melvin Gordon or, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. But you're going to have a lot more success trying to move something that people are actually interested in, trying to move a Debo Samuel or uh, one of the rookies from this class or a high-end quarterback. Finding somebody to pay for them is going to be difficult. But at least starting with something, uh, you know, an attractive piece that you're trying to move is always going to be more helpful. Not not saying you have to try to sell all of your best players, but at least somebody that is maybe on the rise or has been in the news. Uh, make make it so other people are going to want to be attracted to what you're trying to sell. It's kind of the inverse of when you send a offer for like a specific player, like a player that you don't want. And then in the counters back and forth, you add the player that you do want. It's the inverse of that, where it's like you advertise the player you don't want to sell and then end up adding in the player that you don't want to sell. Because like it, there is no sense of like, oh, this guy desperately wants to get rid of Matt Ryan if he's like, hey, I'm selling Melvin Gordon. But then when you package Melvin Gordon and Matt Ryan, you get a better player than obviously if you're just doing one of the two. I appreciate you using your own personal experiences in that example, Nathan, of sending off players you don't want for players you do want along with 17 fourths, seven thirds, and eight seconds in order to acquire really good players and picks. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> all right. So we've kind of done some of the, the do's and a little bit of the don'ts, but like if other than obviously just sitting around and waiting, what would be like your like one major commandment of someone who's trying to use trade bait effectively on the, the seller's end? Like what's one thing you want them to do? I mean, what what do you want them not to do? Sorry. Don't list your entire roster, Ty Miller. Um, (laughs) That's not going to get you anywhere. We know that you have everyone on your roster. We know that we could potentially make an offer for that player. What we don't know is if you're actually interested in moving specific players or pieces. So if you just put everyone on there, you're not providing me anything outside of you probably just wanting to trade really bad which would have been just as useful for you to send the, the group text or or you know the group DM a message saying, hey, anybody looking to trade? Like Nathan does three times a week, and all he does is copy and paste every single message into every all 14 chats we were in together. <laughs> it's not that often. I'd say it's, it's, it's gone down to like three times a month. Um, all right. And then from the buyer's perspective, how do we exploit these poor souls using the trade bait other than lowballing them by sending offers? Well, you don't want to call them bad owners. You know, the, the, the negligent ones you could probably call bad, but guys just trying to move players, especially I think the biggest exploit is from in the most, in most cases is going to be with orphan teams, bringing in new owners maybe inexperienced owners, but uh, teams that are trying to flip guys quickly and kind of build a roster the the way they want it. I I think looking at trade baits from new owners and new teams is the easiest way to try to pick up some, not necessarily free value, but cheap value. And, you know, ask them what they're looking for. Ask them the players that they like and try to piece something together where they're getting one of those players that they like, regardless of what's coming back. Uh, in most cases, you kind of are able to exploit trade bait when teams are effectively using it by telling you kind of what they're trying to do 
with that person on the trade bait or people or picks or whatever it happens to be. And sometimes if you're the first offer that, you know, some people are really impatient. They, they don't have the time to just sit around and wait and look for other offers. And some are, so, you know, the, the good owners are the ones that are going to be countering. They're going to be waiting. They're going to be messaging. Hey, I, I do have a couple of offers I'm considering, but if anybody wants to get in on this, you know, I, I've got something that I, I'm looking at, at doing. The, and then, you know, kind of the more negligent or quote unquote bad owners are going to be the ones that are taking the first offer every single time. Some people are impatient. Some people just like the new shiny thing. You send them something, you know, that they like, regardless of the value return, and they're going to click accept more often than you think. And one piece of advice I would give is that if you're going to try and play the patient game, be in constant communication without being too obvious where it's like, hey, like, you know, I'm pondering this offer, like, give me, give me like 12 hours, 20, 24 hours, whatever it might be. Because from, from as a trade partner, like, I'm much less likely to like revoke an offer if someone says like, hey, like, I'm thinking over this or whatever. And I know that they're, they're shopping the offer and trying to get better elsewhere, but at least communicate it to me rather than whether it's indirectly or directly, rather than just like ghosting me like, wow, I sent that offer. That was a pretty good offer and it hasn't been even responded to yet. Like be in communication with the other manager. And I think that is more likely to advance your negotiations a lot better. And at the very least, send consistent counter offers. You know, if they're sending you something and it's in the ballpark, but it's not really something you're super interested in, but counter with something that's close that, that you are interested in. If it's a deal you're looking to make, uh, you know, if you're not willing or able to send messages to and from people and don't have the time to sit down and do that, but you could send a quick counter, send the counter because that at least shows that you're either still interested or maybe that you aren't. If your counter ends up being something where you're asking for a lot more value than what they're originally sending, maybe the values just won't work out. And then you understand each other a little bit at that point, And maybe a message could be had at that point. But I, I do think a counter is a, a really strong aspect of trading uh, and and definitely through the trade bait, using counters are, uh, in my opinion, they're important. Nathan and I have made probably 200 trades in the however many years we've known each other. And every single one of those trades has a minimum of like eight counters in it. So it's we just do it to piss each other off, but it genuinely is effective. You know what else is effective? Getting involved with Underdog. That's right. Our friends over at Underdog are back yet again. I'm man. I'm hoping they're going to stick with us all season, but never really know how that goes. But Underdog is the way that it goes. UnderdogFantasy.com. Hop on over. They they've got Best Ball Mania three. It's it, it's the cheese, man. I'm telling you, it is the absolute best place to play fantasy football this summer, uh, or any summer, to be quite frank. Their Best Ball Mania 3 tournament has $10 million in total prize money. And the best part is, you just draft your fantasy football team, and that's it. It's the truest of true best balls. There's no waivers, no trades, no in-season management. Underdog gives you your best score each week, as a best ball would. And the highest score at the end of the year takes home the biggest part of the pot. The champion of Best Ball Mania last year drafted in June, so get in early. Uh, there's, There's no time like the present to get involved at Underdog. Plus... Underdog is going to be doubling your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up for your very first deposit, like I said, with promo code ROTOVIZ, R-O-T-O-V-I-Z. I mean, I'm not good at math, Nathan, but I'm pretty sure that's four entries into the Best Ball Mania. 100 extra, 100 extra dollars? Come on. 
So I, I don't really know what everybody else is waiting for. Nathan, I don't know what you're waiting for. Get over to underdogfantasy.com. You can use the app, the website, whatever works for you, works for them. Sign up on Underdog. Use our promo code R-O-T-O-V-I-Z, Roto-Viz, and you can just get drafting your Best Ball Mania 3 team today. Underdogfantasy.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to bait it or wait it. Players with fluctuating value, good or bad, whether to wait or sell, or put them on wait to sell, or put them on the trade block now based on Rotoviz Triflex rankings. We'll start this one off with the man on the move. Or we got, got a few people on the move in, the, in this section, but start off with the first man on the move, Russell Wilson on the move from Seattle to Denver. I'll start off with with mine. I am not putting him on the trade block. I'm not selling. I think that Russell Wilson at this stage of his career is the classic. His points are going to be worth more than his trade value. You're not going to get an elite quarterback. You're not going to get a young quarterback like Joe Burrow or Lamar Jackson for Russell Wilson at this stage. And you combine his skill and his receiving core of Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, and, you know, Javante Williams to an extent. I think that he's set to have like a top six quarterback year. And so I guess theoretically you could say, oh, wait to sell in, you know, December, January, and maybe he's going to be closer to that QB7, QB8 range rather than QB9. But I I really don't see myself selling Russell Wilson on the teams I have him on just because I, I think that, you know, he's going to be a value for, from this point on in his career. I, I agree. Uh, I, I will say there's one situation where if your team sucks and Russell Wilson's your best player, definitely get him moving, try to find a good contender. If you do, uh, if you're trying to squeeze as much value out of him as you possibly can, wait until week week three, week four, uh, when he's absolutely rolling with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and and Albert O and Javante Williams. That offense is going to be just a smooth sailing. So, if you do need to get as much value out of it, if you are in you know the heart of a rebuild and you don't have a lot of quality on your roster, I think you could turn Russell into something really nice 
after a few weeks once people realize what an actual passing attack in a much better offense looks like. So uh, I am definitely on the wait list here. Uh, but in in most cases, I'm probably just holding entirely. Yep. All right. Now let's move on to Deshaun Watson, QB7, uh, 16 overall on the road of his Triflex rankings. For this one, I am not waiting. I'm all about getting out from this risk. We've heard rumors of matching the Trevor Bauer two-year ban. We've heard rumors that like he'll play in 2022, but not 2023. It's so much risk to stomach for a player that, you know, in a startup type atmosphere, you have to you have to have your first round or early second round pick produce and you can't have them suspended for a year. And so while if if I were like, you know, betting how many games is Deshaun Watson suspended for, I currently would say zero. <laughs> like I, I, I don't understand. I, I've said it before. I don't think they can suspend him for four or five games. I think it has to be the gauntlet a, a year or two years or nothing because there's no quote unquote evidence. Like I don't understand how this could be. And maybe that, that it ends up being the most likely that it's four or five games, but from like a ethical standpoint, I don't understand a four or five game suspension. Yeah. This to me feels like we either know nothing about what's happening or they're grossly mishandling it. If it ends in, in a, uh, in a suspension that, you know, going back to like the Ben Roethlisberger deal, the Ezekiel Elliott deal, we saw and and heard a lot more about things in those cases, and they and you know ended up getting the the suspension. So for me, this one, I, I feel like the Cleveland Browns either know that they aren't going to have Deshaun Watson this year, or they don't know. Uh, I, I, like it's either a hundred percent yes or a hundred percent no at this stage, which is why Baker Mayfield hasn't been moved. So. I, I'm actually. See, I mean, from a Baker perspective, I don't think it matters. I think that Watson could get a two-year suspension, and Baker still never playing another down for the Browns. I disagree. I, I, there's a lot. It, Baker's kind of a drama queen, in in my opinion, at least uh, in that in that aspect. So I think if the things go the way Cleveland wants it to, they'll know that they have Deshaun Watson, and now they can sell Baker Mayfield comfortably. But I think there's a decent chance it doesn't go the way they want it to. And now they have to try to retain Baker and figure this whole thing out in the short term because they still need a quarterback. This is a very good football team. But if you don't have Deshaun Watson and now you don't have Baker Mayfield because he refuses to play, uh, you're in a really, really tough spot. So like you, Nathan, I, I'm going to be trading Deshaun Watson, putting at least attempting to putting him on the trade bait. Uh, at that quarterback seven spot just because of the amount of potential risk if I can add something to him to get into a Lamar Jackson or Justin Herbert I will if if I can trade him one for one for Dak Prescott I will if I can honestly trade him one for one for Russell Wilson I'd probably do that if my team is contending Uh, you know getting something uh, added to Justin Fields would be a good move that I would like to make um or, you know, maybe you just completely get out and you just kind of take a random package of of whatever and, and try to find a different quarterback in a different deal. Yeah, I mean, I think if you can't get like I wouldn't necessarily be going after fields like I would need like a fields similarly level asset fields package with to get that level. But if I'm going with one of the other quarterbacks, I think it's much more likely or just waiting until, you know, because if, if it's a four or five game suspension, like Watson's value is going to 
you know, increase back to being a, a first round starter pick, which isn't a far fetch from 16 overall. True. Next, let's go to Javante Williams, RB5, 28 overall. I am not a big fan of Javante Williams' talent. I don't think that he's a top, I don't think he's a top five running back in the NFL, both long term or short term. But I will say I'm certainly going to wait out this Denver Broncos offense. I will wait until week four and five. And honestly, Ian, it might not matter what Javante Williams does. If Russell Wilson and the Broncos have a hot start, people will then like move that success onto Javante Williams. Like, wow, this offense is so good. Imagine when Javante is going to get the full workload and then he never ends up getting the full workload. Um, so I'm waiting until midseason once the, the Broncos offense is on and firing because I think it's going to. And I think that regardless of how Williams is doing, I think his value is going to increase at that stage. My big issue with Javante is his not not his inability to have the full workload, his lack of ever having a full workload. He's never carried the ball for more than 50% of a team's carries uh, on any level, uh, you know, outside of potentially high school, I guess. I would assume he was carrying all of his high school team's carries. But to have him at RB5 and just assume that he's going to be going to the moon after what was a very strong rookie season. I will give him that. Uh, there's still, I mean, you're chasing him at his ceiling in my opinion. I mean, taking him obviously behind Jonathan Taylor and, and, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Deandre Swift. I don't know how he got ahead of Najee Harris, even though we don't necessarily think Najee is great. Uh, Brees Hall is up there, which is moderately questionable. But then you've got a bunch of the vets, like an Austin Eckler, a Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook. I'm taking all of those guys over Javante Williams and and not even thinking twice about it. And I know second contract running backs, yada, yada, yada. We've we've preached it time in and time out. Um, I, I'm kind of like, you know, if I'm not a, a huge believer in Javante Williams. I think this is going to be more of like what Clyde Edwards-Alaire is to the Chiefs and the perception of that. Uh, I think that's going to be the same thing with Javante Williams. So while I think there's maybe a, a smidge more value you could get out of him, I think now is arguably the best time to do it, uh, unless you really think that he has a chance to become in dynasty rankings or ADP RB2 overall, because he's not surpassing Jonathan Taylor. Let's move on to a veteran running back, a second contract running back in Joe Mixon, RB12, 53 overall. The only thing I don't like about uh, Joe Mixon's current price tag is that he's a top 12 running back. Um, I think he's very deserving of being a top 12 running back, but I just am not usually a large investor in those, particularly ones that are second contract running backs. So um, I, I, I'm, I'm neither. I'm not selling him. I'm not buying him. I'm not putting him on the trade block. He's staying where he is. Uh, he's going to stay on, on my roster if I have him, and he's not going to get to my roster if I don't. Yeah, he's a firm he's a firm weight slash hold for me as well. Uh, I, I think this offense is only going to continue to get better as, as Joe Burrow grows, as the wide receivers continue to do their thing. Uh, I think Mixon, I mean, he, I've always said he's one of the best running backs in the NFL uh, and arguably the most talented. He's never really had an offensive line. He's never really had a great offense until you know last year. We've started to kind of see how things can actually look when you have decent talent around you. So uh, I still think there's room for growth for Joe Mixon, even though he is on contract number two. Uh, and, you know, he's he's getting, uh, quote-unquote, old for a running back. I still think he could potentially move up into where Javante Williams is now. I, I think we could legitimately see him have 
uh, a true like <laughs> mid-career or, or end-of-career breakout. Even though he's done a lot of great things, we could see a monstrous season out of him this year because of how much better the Bengals have gotten. And I think the more positive game scripts for him will end up being there versus them being behind and chasing uh, instead of them running the football in the third and the fourth because they're already ahead by 20. And move on to Debo Samuel, wide receiver 6, 18 overall. I am putting him on the trade block and not looking back. Debo Samuel is a little bit older than, than you would expect and the other at 26 years old. And then the other part of it with Debo Samuel is a lot of his value is connected to Kyle Shanahan, the Niners, and also his rushing ability. He was a very solid NFL player prior to 2021. He had this huge breakout once he was implemented in the backfield a lot more and stayed healthy. And if there's any truth to the rumors that he's like, I'm a wide receiver, I don't want to play running back anymore, that plummets his wide receiver value, his dynasty value, into the, the mid-teens at least. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Debo. I, I have him a bunch of places. I, I still think he's a great wide receiver, but you're pretty spot on there with the definitely the link to Shanahan, but also the unwillingness to play running back or, or take those touches on, which I would I would be a little bit surprised that someone genuinely doesn't want the ball more. Maybe not running them between the tackles and getting absolutely slaughtered you know, 20 times a game. I, I would understand not wanting to play running back uh, from that perspective anymore, but um, I still think Debo's probably a wide receiver one. I will say wide receiver six is a little bit much for me. Uh, there's a few of the guys behind him that, that I'm, I'm probably taking over him. And I think, unfortunately, I'm going to, after this episode, end up putting Debo Samuel on a few of my trade blocks because I have him a few places. And let's go to Terry McLaurin, wide receiver 27, 72 overall. Now, for similar reasons to why I don't want to be acquiring uh, one Debo Samuel right now, Terry McLaurin, similar age, similar perspective where he can definitely walk at the end of the 2021 or 2022 season, barring you know, any sort of franchise tag. And I think that he would definitely benefit from a change of scenery. Um, he has the skills to be an NFL wide receiver one and one in an offense that's better than a Carson Wentz, Sam Howell offense. So um, I think that Washington if they have any sort of sense, like we'll start to realize that they're in, a, that they need to actually rebuild and not the fake rebuild that they've done, you know, in the last few years with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz. And so once they go into that full rebuild, I think that they, they move on from Terry McLaurin, whether that's like a trade deadline deal or letting him walk. Yeah. It'd be 27 here in September. And that's not super old for wide receiver purposes, but uh, where he had been going, I feel like if we had this conversation a year ago, it, it's probably we're both putting him on the trade bait looking to move him. As of today, however bad Washington is, I also think he won't be a member of Washington uh, this time next year, to be quite honest. I, I would assume they'll either trade him or or you know do whatever. He was a first round, was he a first round pick? No. Okay, so they they have no option. So I would guess they'll either trade him during the season or he won't sign any tender, won't do any anything. Um, I, I'm I'm probably looking to acquire rather than looking to sell. And we'll go through a couple quick tight ends: Darren Waller, tight end seven, sixty-seven overall. 
Now, this is where when you tell me tight end seven, I'm like, nope, I don't need to put Darren Waller in the trade bait. He's perfectly fine at that price. And then when I see 67 overall, <laughs> when I see 67 overall, I'm like, well, you know, players like 70 through 100, I'd probably rather have than Waller. So am I trading Darren Waller for a tight end that's below him? Probably not unless I'm getting something significant on top because I think Darren Waller is a very solid, you know, win now type asset at the tight end position. But if I can trade Darren Waller for a non-tight end, I think that's where, you know, the sweet spot is. Well, let me give you a couple of players going around where Darren Waller is at that 67 price tag. Alvin Kamara at 64. Mac Jones at 66. Antonio Gibson at 68. Nick Chubb at 69. Hashtag nice. Nick Chubb is a 69. Hey, man, people don't just hate Nick Chubb for whatever reason. So, hey, everybody, go buy Nick Chubb. Uh, Terry McLaurin at 72. There's so many guys in that range. And I get, oh, but tight end is such a luxury to have a good one. Great. I would rather have eight points from the guy I'm getting in the 17th round then spend a quality pick when I can have one of those players that's actually going to get me something, whether it's points or value, over a tight end. I'm just never taking him there. So if anyone's willing to trade me that value for for my Darren Waller share that I probably don't have anymore, uh, I'm definitely putting him on the trade bait and looking to sell now. And we'll wrap up the show with a rookie tight end sneaking into the show. Trey McBride, tight end 12, 96 overall. What are your thoughts on the young Cardinal tight end? See, th- this one is a little bit less surprising than the Darren Waller being at 67, just because there's more upside, youthfulness, yada, whatever. And that area of drafts is kind of where it starts to get really messy. And it's just kind of a take your pick. Who do you like? Whose college tape did you watch? Who do you think could break out this year? That's kind of that category. And then like old veterans. Uh, So it's kind of a weird one. I will say tight end 12 isn't really a stretch, but he does still have, uh, he's got Zach Ertz in his way. So I don't know that he's going to get a lot of meaningful touches right away. Obviously with DeAndre Hopkins being out for a little bit because of suspension, um, this team's probably going to be looking to lean on him a little bit. Maybe not a ton, but I would assume he'll get in for some snaps. Uh, we all are still crossing our fingers for uh, Rondale Moore. And I think we would assume that Hollywood Brown is going to play a pretty prominent role in this offense right away. But I would still expect Zach Ertz to dominate here. So as much as I would like to keep Trey McBride, because I, I do believe he's got some potential, I think there's a lot of these guys around him that I probably would prefer. Like I would rather have Mike Gusecki, even with their acquisition of Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I, I think he's easily. got more. I mean, it's a very like common fantasy trope, but uh, Mike Gusecki is who we hope Trey, Trey McBride becomes. Exactly. Like, plain and simple. Exactly. All right. That should wrap us up for this evening. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, everywhere where you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to Rotoviz RV Radio 2022, 10% discount, and give them that underdog discount or promo code to get that $100 deposit match, Dan. That's right. And also, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, doing all sorts of fun stuff there. So, uh, you know, Rotoviz on YouTube. And, and one last thing if everybody, and I, I mean everybody, 
if everybody tweets Nathan and Pal FF, FF Dynasty Dan, and our friend Colm, Overtime Ireland, we have to you have to tweet all three of those people and say, have the trade cast do Jeopardy on the YouTube channel. Oh, that's a good idea. And if we have thousands of people tweet that, um, <laughs> then maybe they'll give us the YouTube login. I mean, I'd probably consider it for like 10 people doing it, but thousands would be great. That would actually be fun to see. Uh, and, and I, I, to be honest, I've been kind of itching to do it, but it's a not small amount of work to do and make it work properly where, you know, everyone can actually see it is definitely more useful than only us being able to see it and try to translate that across sound to uh, our listeners. And that wraps up for this week. We'll talk to you guys next week. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.